0: Um, yeah, let's uh, get started. Um, and let me open us with a, with a word of prayer. Oh, Father, bless us in our study. Uh, warm our hearts. Be affectionate to our Savior. In light of the work of uh, grace of God. And uh, pray for uh, Thy continued mercies in our lives. Uh, as we desire to advance Thy great name. And bless our service in the hour to come, for Thy kingdom's sake we ask. it. amen. Okay, so this morning we're on G sanctification, I believe. Um, doctrine of sanctification. This is uh, this is really a a, a very radical uh, a radical shift from where we've been. Uh, just to review very quickly, we've been looking about. Uh, things that uh, God does solely on his own. Uh, for example, last couple of uh, Sundays, we've looked at justification and adoption, and uh, we established a point that both of those were legal events that and that, and that God affects them, uh, brings them to pass. Uh, so they are, they are judicial events uh, uh, done by God's grace, now we are shifting, when we come to sanctification, we are shifting away from legal to moral. So these are things that uh, happen within us. Uh, justification, as you know, is alien to us because it occurs in God's courtroom. Adoption is the same. Uh, so they have nothing to do uh, uh, about what's within us. We come to sanctification, we shift from legal to moral, uh, and this pertains to what God does within us okay so um, that's that's kind of where we are um, um, let's look at um, I don't know if you have your have your book, but you turn to page seven twenty five um, I'm sorry. Two two twenty-five, two twenty. 220, I'm sorry. So, if you look there at the top, what is sanctification? Uh, this comes from the shorter catechism. So, I'm 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 connecting Grace Bible Church to the Reformed faith here. Um, Sanctification is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die into sin and to live into righteousness. Okay? So, uh, uh, renewed in the whole man. So this, this pertains to changes that God is going to make within our lives with our participation. In justification, we didn't participate. Adoption, we didn't participate. Election, we didn't participate. We were being done for. Okay? Now, we participate. Okay? Uh, sanctification is not salvific, uh, but it's an evidence of salvation. And that is really a critical point. Uh, uh, we know that we could do nothing to save us. God has to save us when we come to sanctification, we participate as evidence that we, that we have been saved. Okay. It's a very, very, very critical point. Um, um, and here we shift from Christ, who, who's uh, uh, the chief agent in justification and adoption to the work of the Spirit. If you look down at the first... First major paragraph break, uh, uh, the Hebrew word has the basic idea of separation. Um, and in our case, uh, it engages uh, a moral work within us. Uh, so uh, we begin to affect and participate with God to, uh, to separate ourselves. From things that are contrary to His will to things that are in harmony with His will. So uh, that's that's essentially the idea of of, uh, of uh, separation. Now, it can also be said that there is an aspect of our sanctification uh, that uh, uh, that is an expression that. God separates us before He begins to work in us. It's a definitive sanctification, but we're talking about a progressive sanctification of god God working within us. Um, um, for example, um, if you if you want to look at a couple of verses, uh, let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 I've established the, the proposition that here we participate um, we know it's God's grace working within us but when God works within us that's what's causal the effect is what we do um, and that's really important to keep in mind that there's a cause-effect relationship. Okay, so let's let's look at uh, Philippians chapter two, verses twelve and thirteen. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now we know theologically there's a, this is a broader view of salvation. That includes justification and sanctification because we know we can 't work out our justification dead men can 't save themselves okay? so we're thinking you have to think theologically here uh, so uh, this has to do principally with our sanctification, so look at the look at the participation, uh, work out your salvation okay um, now let 's look at the causal effect or the cause of of the effect of us working out for it is God verse 13 who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure okay so God works in us and we work out cause effect he's working within us there are a number of effects that occur in our lives that's what engages sanctification that we begin to shun behavior that is contrary to the will of God and to conform our lives into behavior that is in harmony with the will of God. Okay? So, so I mean, it's a, you know, we're dealing with a measure of logic, cause effect. God's working in us, but there's an effect in our lives. Okay? Notice a verse I've, I think we've read before. Turn back to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, verse six, uh, because this is a very important point. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, notice good work in you. So is that justification or sanctification? Sanctification. If it's God working in you, it's sanctification. Okay. In other words. When, uh, when you believe in Christ, and, and and you come to faith, what about the future? Uh, God doesn't say, "Well, good luck. I hope you make it." It's a tough road ahead, you know. Um, uh, no, he he dispatches his spirit to effect change. Uh, And part of that change is our participation uh, in this great doctrine of sanctification. Uh, So it's good to keep those things in mind. Turn back one book to Ephesians. I'm going to give you an illustration of this. Uh, Ephesians 1 through 3 is all about things that God does. For example, I mean, just turn to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 4, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, where well, we weren't even born yet. Verse 5, He predestined us to adoption as His sons through Jesus Christ. Okay? He's doing that. Um, verse 7, In Him we have redemption. Um, uh, verse 11, In Him we've obtained an inheritance. Verse 13, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit to promise who has given us the pleasure of our inheritance. So all these things were being done for. Does that mean we just lay around, don't do anything? No. Look at, turn to chapter 4, verse 1. Paul has described in chapters 1 through 3 everything that God has done for us in our salvation. Uh, Part of the particular emphasis in Ephesians is uh, we're saved in the same way that Jews were in the Old Testament. And we have the same inheritance. There's no difference. So look at Ephesians 4.1. I therefore, brethren, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Okay. So now we're doing. We're to walk worthily of our calling. Our calling is in chapters 1 to 3. And now we're to walk worthily, and he describes that in chapters four to six. Okay, uh, so critical critical issues uh, going on here. Um, there's another important verse if you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians uh, uh, chapter five, verses twenty three to twenty four. Um, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, so references our sanctification. Uh, notice, notice the reference to, to, to God. Faithful is he who calls you. He will bring it to pass. So God never lets us go. Okay? Um, He's he's going to be faithful to bring to pass our completion until uh, the day of the coming of Christ. Um, Repairing back to our outline, um, Murray says it's a work of God in us. We've, We've accomplished that. Specifically, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Justification, the agent, is Christ. Sanctification, the agent, is the Holy Spirit. Uh, It presupposes in calling and regeneration that sin is dethroned. Namely, it no longer has dominion. And this is a very critical point because it engages our sanctification. Uh, The person outside of Christ is ruled over by the flesh. Sin controls him. What he thinks, what he does, everything about him. He's not conscious necessarily of that. I mean, he knows that he sins. But, but the fact is, uh, the natural man is dominated or ruled over by the dominion of sin. And that's part of the fall, the corruption of, of the inner man. In sanctification, we embrace the reality that uh, that dominion has been broken by Christ We still sin, but there's a major difference. We don't have to. The man outside of Christ, who is the natural man, still sins because it's a necessary aspect of who he is. Um, And he has really no power to do otherwise. He sins because that's the defining nature of his life. Uh, just like lions are carnivorous, I know, if go down to the zoo and take carrots and cabbage to them, it means nothing to them because they're you know they're 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 not herbivores. They're carnivorous. You know, they want deer and elk and well, whatever it is lions eat in the great plains of Africa. Okay, but they're meat eaters. Is my point. That's just their nature. The natural man is governed by the nature of the flesh. It rules over him. In the cross, for the individual believer, that rule is broken. So he comes under a different realm. Uh, He now belongs to the realm of God. Uh, Critical point. Um, um, Our citizenship is now in the heavenlies. The spirit is now working within us. And God will complete that work uh, uh, at the coming of Christ. So think of the panorama of our salvation. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Uh, Justification has happened when we believe upon Christ. Sanctification is occurring in our lives now. Glorification will occur when Christ comes again. Or we die and go to be with the Lord. Uh, in the presence of the Lord, there's no, there's no longer any sin. So uh, it's good, I think, to keep in mind that, 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 that panoramic view. So uh, Murray says, It presupposes in calling and regeneration that sin is dethroned, no longer has dominion. The victory is secured, and a radical breach with the power and love of sin is effected. Therefore, the governing disposition of every regenerate person is holiness, both actual and possible, not just potential and positional. Let's turn to Romans 6.14. Just to remind you of the aspect that sin is to, sin is to This It's a very critical point uh, to understand um, doctrine of sanctification. Um, Romans 6.14, for sin shall no longer be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. It's no longer our master. It is the master of the natural man. Uh, Going back to our outline, as moral renewal, it necessarily follows the judicial act of justification. Now, what do I mean by necessarily follows? What I'm saying is um, its presence is necessary. Uh, Let me try to describe that in this way. There is no such thing as a Christian who has been justified and adopted into the family of God who is not now currently being sanctified. because there's a seamless work between Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father elects, the Son purchases, and the Spirit makes application. Part of that application is regeneration, but part of that application is also sanctification. So... um That's important in many respects. Uh, Part of our theology is stressing the necessity of it. Um, uh, There are some within the evangelical community that would contend that you can come to Christ and be genuinely saved, but after that, Engage in nothing with respect to life and the Spirit. Uh, I'm sure everyone in this room has heard the phrase, once saved, always saved. Okay. That statement is true and false. It's true if Christ saved you. It's not true if you saved yourself. Uh, And evidence that you may have saved yourself is that you come to Christ and then you fall away and have no care whatsoever about the Christian faith. You totally, if you will, reject it. Well, that person is giving evidence that they never were saved. Give an illustration. Uh, I invite you to my home and I say, you know, uh, look at that beautiful tree out there. That is an apple tree and it's bearing pears. You're going to say, uh, Phil, you might need to follow up on your understanding what an apple tree... Apple trees don't bear pears, right? Pear trees bear pears. Okay. So what I'm saying is the the, the Christian who has been saved by Christ and is undergoing sanctification by the Spirit is going to give evidence in... Uh, morality and in works. Now notice something very critical here. I'm talking sanctification. Morality and our works cannot save us because dead men can't save themselves. That's all judicial. We're now going into the moral aspect of the Christian faith where we participate. Um, So, um, it is a very, very important uh, um, distinction that we can have the assurance of our salvation from Scripture, from the fact that we believed and that God promises us eternal life, but we can also have the assurance in the evidence that we begin, over time and in degree, to move away from those aspects of morality and behavior that are contrary to the will of God two aspects that are in conformity to the will of God. Going to church, um, reading our Bibles, engaging in prayer, um, having fellowship with the saints. Those types of uh, 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 evidences to me are genuine reminders to us that in our internal lives that God is at work and that we are truly His sons. Okay? Um, that means a couple of things. Uh, one of the things it means is that we as, as uh, believers in Jesus Christ cannot totally or finally fall away from the faith. Why? Because, God, because Christ loses none that are His. Remember John 6. Of all that the Father has given me, I lose none. Okay? So, we, so, so we can never be lost. However, um, those purchased by Christ, he's going to dispatch his spirit to apply that to our lives and affect change within us. Okay? Remember the title of the book, Redemption Accomplished. Only God does that part. And applied, and in the application by the Spirit, which the Spirit does, uh, we see change in our lives. That's sanctification. Okay. Uh, so the true believer, who's been purchased by Christ, cannot fall away. Okay. Uh, in in my sermon uh, in the second hour, Lord willing, um, I'm gonna. Uh, breach the subject that members of the visible church can fall away and fall away all the time. I'm not talking about visible church. I'm talking about invisible. Those who have been truly saved by Jesus Christ and have been sealed by the spirit of promise and belong to the family of God. In the visible church, people come and go all the time come for a while and then lose interest and being it slowly, slowly, slowly begin to drift away. At some point, their life becomes shipwrecked. Um, if you understand the doctrine of sanctification, that cannot happen to the child of the faith. But it happens all the time in the church. Uh, it's, it, it's sad to watch, it's sad to see, but it's, it's just part of life. Um, people come into the church and they think, oh, I'm a pretty good moral person," or uh, you know, they're trusting the, a decision that they've made, or I've been baptized, or I've gone through confirmation. Um, but none of those things are salvific. Only Christ saves. Those things may be evidence of faith, but they don't save. So there has to be the divine element, or salvation will always. Uh, eventually unravel. Okay. That's why we stress trust Christ alone. Okay. So it's God's grace alone. In sanctification, it's not alone because we participate. But our sal- but our sanctification is not salvific. So there's some logic there. It's important logic. It's uh, the depth of uh, theology, but it's the clear teaching of Scripture. If you think of Philippians 1, 6, uh, God's going to uh, perfect the work that he starts. If you think of Philippians 2, 12, and 13, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for His God who is at work within you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. Um, um, if you think of 1 Thessalonians 5:23 and 24, do all these things in the context and then faithful is he who calls you, he will bring it to pass. So our faith is always, 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 always tethered to the grace of God. Were it not, all of us would fall away. Okay. Uh, everybody kind of tracking? I mean, it's kind of, it, in a certain sense, pretty heavy theology here, but that's why we study and study and grow. Let's talk about competing systems of theology. Um, Arminianism, Wesleyan Arminianism, which is the Wesleyan Methodist Church, and Semi-Pelagianism, which is the Roman Catholic Church uh, uh, that has its reliance on the sacraments uh, and the grace of God dispensed by the church. Um, And then, of course, the Reformed faith. Um, in Arminianism and Semi Pelagianism, uh, you can fall away from the faith because ultimately it depends upon you. Um, Arminianism, you have to persevere in the faith. Uh, Roman Catholicism, you have to keep using the sacrament of penance. If you depart from it, you can fall away. Uh, there's a, there was a Reformed theologian that was here a number of years ago by the name of Carl Truman. His uh, expertise, particularly, was church history. But he uh, he he conveyed to me a story. He said, uh, one of my students was sitting next to, uh, I don't think I've relayed this to you. Forgive me if I have, but it's worth repeating uh, because of the import of the of the story uh, one of his students was flying somewhere and he happened to be seated next to a roman catholic bishop okay what do you think roman catholic bishop i mean if anybody's saved it's got to be a bishop okay. well the student asked the bishop uh, do you have the security of your salvation and the bishop's reply to him was one cannot be too sure about these things. Okay. So all I, all I mean by that story is that in semi-pelagianism, you can fall out of the faith and be lost again. Okay? Now think of it. Think, think of that in terms of salvation, what that means. Christ did his part. And now you've got to do your part, and you may not have done your part well enough, which means maybe he didn't do his part well enough. Go back to Romans 6. Of all that the Father has given me, I lose none. The Armenian and the Roman Catholics are going to say, well, now wait a minute. Uh, he may not lose us, but we can lose ourselves. If you look at Romans 6, that's a hollowed out interpretation of that passage. Uh, if Christ can lose any that the Father gave Him to save, then it casts aspersion upon what He did upon the cross. Remember, one of His sayings on the cross is, it is finished. He completed the work to perfection of what God called Him to do. Christ doesn't do imperfect. He only does perfection because He's the God-man. You and I do imperfection. Christ is the God-man that does perfection. Even in his humanity, he never sinned. So um, in classic Arminianism and Wesleyan uh, Arminianism, semi-Pelagianism, the Roman Catholic, the Orthodox Church, you can fall away because ultimately your salvation depends upon you. In our faith, our salvation depends upon God. But we do not. But we also, in that affirmation, we also affirm that part of our salvation includes the work of the Spirit in us, affecting change. Okay. So um, that's that. That that is the doctrine of of sanctification. Um, if you look at uh, GC. Um, there are some uh, uh, in uh, the Armenian community that hold to perfectionism—that uh, we can reach a stage in our lives in which we become perfect. Uh, we would obviously we deny that. Um, uh, essentially, perfectionism redefines sin. Uh, so two, sanctification concerns sin, the elimination of sin and conformity to Christ. Sin is the contradiction. Sin involves conflict. Sin does not have the mastery. So there's a difference between surviving sin and reigning sin. You and I as Christians are still fallen. Uh, So we still have a... um, uh, uh, still engage... Uh, the potential as well as the possibility to sin, but it is no longer the master over us. Uh, recall back Romans six fourteen, sin no longer has the mastery over you. Okay. Um, it's the concern of sanctification that sin be more and more mortified and in holiness ingenerated and cultivated. In other words, in-generated means working within us. The agent is uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, The mode is a mystery. The work of the Spirit is is a mysterious uh, work. Uh, And there is a complete dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Um, It's dependent upon the activity of the exalted Lord. Uh, the death and resurrection of Christ and its continuance. Uh, because we died with him, uh, we died with him, uh, who we were in the first Adam was buried, and then we were raised again because of the second Adam, who is Christ, to newness of life. In regeneration, we have been made alive, and sanctification, uh, that life is going to generate uh, Um, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The natural man can only engage in some of those things in the civil civil world. You and I engage them by the inworking of the Holy Spirit to please God. But notice, part of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, meaning the true, genuine believer cannot fall away. Because the Spirit's going to work faithfulness. Now, remember a moment ago, I didn't say perfection. I didn't say that um, Christians live a perfect life. No, they don't. They live an imperfect life. Sometimes they backslide. Sometimes they fall into sin. Let's think of David, for example. Okay. David fell into some pretty grievous sin. Adultery and murder. That, that's about as grievous as it can get, I think. Well, maybe there's, there are some things that are worse. Um, um. But did the Spirit leave him alone? No. If you read Psalm 51, the Spirit made his life absolutely miserable until he repented. Did the prophet leave him alone? No. The prophet went to David, tells him this story, and David convicts himself, and then the prophet says, and you're the man. And David undergoes some pretty severe discipline. He loses a son, and he almost loses his kingdom. And one of his own sons rebels against him, Absalom. So, uh, my point is that God disciplined David pretty seriously. That's why we, you know, we, we warn people, be careful of sin, because God disciplines the sons that he loves. Yeah, we're the sons of God. Uh, he dispatches the Spirit to sanctify us. If we fall into sin and rebellion, uh, he's going to come in disciplined. And sometimes that discipline is very painful. It's also evidence that we are the true sons of God. So, um, summary here. I'm um, just going to read, again, back to the notes, read here. Sanctification involves the concentration of thought, of interest, of heart, mind, will, and purpose upon the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and the engagement of our whole being with those means which God has instituted for the attainment of that destination. Okay. Um, in contrast to the reform position, some evangelicals deny the necessity of sanctification. Others that you can fall away from it and thereby lose your justification. Many invert the order of justification, and sanctification. That's essentially Roman Catholicism. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but a couple weeks ago I read you I read to you from uh, the Roman Catholic Catechism, a uh, very, very confusing definition of the doctrine of justification because it confuses justification with sanctification and makes essentially sanctification the cause of your justification. that inverts the biblical order. Uh, in holiness churches, there's the constant, pardon me, there's the contention that some experience of a higher life is important for entire sanctification. In other words, uh, you need to speak in tongues. Uh, there is a higher life you need to aspire to, and that's evidence in speaking in tongues. So to, me, to, uh, to, to the Reformed community, there's no second work of grace. Okay. Um, Again, as a review, sanctification is in the heart; justification is in God's court. In sanctification, we participate. Uh, Justification is an alien work; occurs outside of us. Uh, Has nothing to do with anything within us whatsoever. Okay, we have covered a whole lot of theology. Any any questions? Is there any confusion? That's really important. If you think of the order, uh, justification, adoption, legal events, sanctification, moral event, outside of us, within us, and they necessarily follow. Again, I want to reaffirm this to you. There's no such thing as a justified sinner who's not undergoing sanctification. It occurs in some people's life faster than others. It occurs in some people's life at a higher degree than others. I'm just affirming that it occurs. I'm not talking about time or degree. Uh, Sanctification, in terms of uh, Murray's book, progressive sanctification, occurs throughout our lives, but it's different. Uh, um, Just... You know, think of eminent saints like, uh, you know, Billy Graham. Does yeah. um, some people achieve? But that's the work of the Spirit. That's the Spirit works as He wills. Uh, work out your salvation fear and trembling, for it's God who is at work within you, both to will and work for His good pleasure. Uh, yeah. God. But we should all aspire to the same. Uh, we should we should all lay hold of the means of grace, like attending church, fellowshipping with the saints, praying, reading our Bibles, studying to show ourselves approved unto God. And um, those things, as we engage in those things, it should comfort our hearts that we truly be- truly belong to the Savior. Um, again. Any any questions? See two more chapters, as I recall. Um, perseverance and glorification. Uh, so we got two more chapters, and we will finish uh, Murray's work. Um, so, um, well, if if you if you have any issues, if you. Ponder the things that Murray has written, or the things that I've said. You know, you know. Bring your questions next week. Um, but uh, that is essentially the reformed view of the doctrine of progressive sanctification over time, in degree, but necessary uh, as evidence uh, that Christ has justified us. One legal, the other moral. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Of uh, other, we uh, we've covered uh, a lot of ground and um, uh, looked at uh, Reformed confessional statement, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Uh, we've also looked at scriptures, uh, help us to uh, be clear on these doctrines, and uh, more importantly, help us to uh, work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Uh, for it is truly God who is at work within us, both the will and to work for his good pleasure. And let us be diligent about the means of grace uh, that we might uh, manifest that our calling and election is sure and certain. And to these ends, uh, may we encourage one another in the faith, and may this church uh, be an important part of our lives uh, for the glory of our great and only Redeemer, Christ Jesus, whose uh, his name we pray, amen.